God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. I'm so grateful um, to be standing here. I believe that God has given me a word that's going to help you and bless you. I've been praying, I've been studying, and I asked God to give me something as my father already prayed that would speak to you right where you are, and I believe that he's done just that. So I wanna get right into the word. If I could get a little bit more in the monitors, that would be great. I'm gonna be in 1 Kings 18. Oh yeah, that sounds good. 1 Kings 18, I'm gonna start in verse I'm gonna start in verse 32. This text is not necessarily unfamiliar, but for those of you who may need a little bit of background, I wanna bring you into what's happening in this moment. In this moment, the prophet Elijah is returning back to Israel after having been away. You see, Israel has drifted away from God and have started to worship Baal. And in the process of worshiping Baal, they have removed the covenant that they have with God. But Elijah is there because Elijah reminds them of who they're supposed to be. There's gonna be a showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And this is where we are in the text. It is now Elijah's turn to see if he can bring fire down from heaven. 1 Kings 18, verse 32, he's building the altar, and it says, Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time, and they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. My subject, for those of you who like to take notes, is wet wood still burns. Wet wood, wet wood still burns. I don't know if you've ever been camping and tried to build a fire with wet wood. It doesn't burn the way that you think it should when the wood is dry, but this text proves to us that wet wood still burns. So spirit of the living God, we invite your presence, not just into this house, but into the homes of every person watching. Father, we say, let your glory fall. <laughs> Father, we say, let your fire fall. We present to you every circumstance, every issue, every obstacle, and we say, Father, have your way. God, you and I, we've walked through this word together, and so, Father, I simply pray that you would allow me to be a vessel in this moment, that there would be nothing off limits, no fears, no insecurities, just your word, your anointing, your fire, God, standing strong down on the inside of me. Breathe, great God that you are. We receive it in advance, we receive your plans in advance, and we say, have your way, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
You know, family, a couple weeks ago, I was watching from Los Angeles as Dallas went through a winter storm. A winter storm like we had never seen before. And though I live in Los Angeles now, there was a part of me that wanted to kind of be in the storm with my family. There's something about seeing your family go through a storm that makes you want to be a part of what they're going through. And I have to tell you, I felt a little bit guilty because as their pipes were bursting, I was sitting outside with the girls having a tea party. Because sometimes the weather in California, it just feels a little unfair compared to what else is going on in the world. Now that's not to say that we don't have our weather issues. I mean, it was 40 degrees not too long ago, okay? Freezing, freezing, frigid, okay? But um, one thing we do have though are winds. We have really strong winds. As a matter of fact, if you've ever heard of the California wildfires, part of the reasons why the fire spread so rapidly is because of the wind. And we actually had one of those strong winds come through our neighborhood not too long ago. These winds are so strong that one time it knocked over a swing in our backyard. So it was two o'clock in the morning and the wind was blowing and the house was shaking and I thought this is gonna be one of those days where something gets knocked over. Next morning I go outside, I check there's some pillows tossed around but for the most part everything was fine. The swing was still standing and so I went on about my day. Now I'm on a Zoom meeting when my 11-year-old knocks on the door. Now shout out to all the parents who are walking at, working at home with children who try to mess up your professionalism. And knocked on the door and she says, Mom, there's a chair in the pool. I says, what? <laughs> she said, the chair is in the pool. I go outside and sure enough, the chair is in the pool. Now we're trying to determine who's going to go and get the pool, the chair out of the pool, you know. Um, I don't necessarily have the type of hair texture that allows you to just jump into the pool without preparation. I need a moment, I don't just dive into water. And so while we're having this debate in our home about who's going to jump into the water, I couldn't help but think to myself, how did I miss the fact that the chair was in the pool? I went out there, I checked, I looked around, I just didn't expect for the chair to be in the pool. How did I miss it? How did I miss that the picture wasn't the way that it was supposed to be? Have you ever had a moment where you checked on what you thought should have been in trouble and while you were checking on that one thing, you missed the very thing you could have never expected? How did I miss the fact that the marriage was in trouble? How did I miss the fact that the child was going through a depression? How did I miss the fact that I was headed towards bankruptcy? How did I miss that the chair was in the pool? How did I? miss it. Can we talk about it for a moment? Those moments when you just miss it. I trusted the wrong person. How did I miss it? I thought God called me to write this book. How did I miss it? This ministry is not booming the way that I thought that it should. How did I miss it? I thought I was doing a good job in this marriage. How did I miss it? Don't you think, after all, the things that we regret the most are the things that we missed? I should have been able to catch that. I should have been able to see that I missed it, and this is exactly what happened to me when I missed this chair in the pool, and I was thinking about how we often miss on one thing because I thought the trouble was gonna come from here. It's not that I wasn't prepared, I was prepared to go to war. I was prepared to battle, it's just that you struck me in a part of my life I wasn't ready for. I wasn't ready for this. I could have faced it if I would have known that this was gonna happen to me, but I missed it and now you've caught me blinded and it feels like I'm drowning because I thought, I thought I should have caught that. God, I thought I should have caught suicidal. I thought I should have caught that. An alcohol problem, I thought I should have caught that. I missed it. 
And if we're honest, when we miss it, there is a part of us that doesn't believe we can recover from this miss. I don't think I can recover from this one. This is the one that's gonna keep me from ever burning again. This is the one that's gonna keep me from ever trying again. And I would like to submit for your consideration that I am not the only one who has a seat that's drowning. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are seated in Christ. And Ephesians 1 goes on to tell us what that means, that when I am seated with Christ, that means that I am seated above principalities. So the spirit of doubt that makes me believe I can never recover from this is actually a sign that my seat in Christ is underwater because I no longer have the power and authority that I ought to have over this situation. I don't have the faith that I'm coming out of this. I don't have the belief that this could help me to ever restore and recover. I feel like I'm drowning and it's really not that I'm drowning, it's just that my seat is drowning because I can't connect with who I'm supposed to be in this season. I wanna talk to some real people today who would be honest enough to admit that I'm supposed to be on fire, I'm supposed to have faith, I'm supposed to believe that I can come out of this, but I missed so big this time that I don't feel like I have the authority anymore. I can't tap into that prayer the way I used to. I can't tap into the worship the way that I used to. I'm tired of 2020 and 2021 and all of its cousins. I'm tired of getting bad news after bad news. I'm tired of nothing ever going my way. I'm tired. And you trying to tell me I'm seated in Christ, above principalities, but I feel like I'm drowning. I know we can't blame everything on the devil, but I think the devil's got a target on my back and he keeps hitting me right where it hurts the most. Your seat is underwater, drowning. This is exactly where Israel is when we find them in the text. Israel, the chosen people, don't feel chosen anymore. Because I'm in a drought, oh God. How I'm gonna be chosen and in a drought? How I'm gonna be set apart and my child ain't saved? be set apart and I'm living paycheck to paycheck praying for a stimulus check to come through. How am I going to be the one that's chosen in a drought? That's one way to look at it. But if you look at this text in hindsight, you see that the drought was actually the first step to the rescue. It was not the last step before death. I need you to let that sink down in your spirit a little bit. Because the drought will convince you that you're gonna die here. The drought will convince you you'll never recover from here. And yet when God gets ready to save his people from drowning, he sends the drought because the drought airs things out. The drought makes you come down to this space where you have to wonder, God, I gotta start believing in you in a different way because everything I was counting on turned out to be nothing. So now I'm down to nothing and I gotta ask you, God, in the middle of this drought, could you still save me? Mm. God, could you meet me here? God sends the prophet Elijah <laughs> because God's not ever going to let you stay underwater. <laughs> God sends the prophet Elijah to Israel because Israel needs representation of what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> You see, the problem with taking on issue after issue is that sometimes you forget what it's supposed to look like. 
I forget what it's looking like to, to tap into worship. When everybody was in a room together, I could do it, but I forgot what it looks like to be on fire for God. I forgot what it looks like, and now I got the God of worry and the God of fear and the God of doubt, and I'm worshiping them more than I worship the one and only true living God. And it's not that I didn't mean to worship God, it's just it got diluted from everything else that was happening. And so God sends Elijah because Israel needs to be reminded what it looks like. I feel like somebody needs to know that God wants you to understand that I'm not just exposing you to someone else's fire so that you can feel bad about where you are. I'm exposing you to someone else's fire so that you can remember what it looks like. You better take note of what God shows you because when God shows you something that is in contradiction to where you are, it's God trying to show you what it's supposed to look like. You didn't see it growing up, but God exposed you so that you could understand what it's supposed to look like. You keep crying over what you didn't see, and I hear God saying, but what did I show you along the way? You didn't start with it, but I made sure you were exposed with it along the way. I made sure I exposed you. Your family didn't have it, but I made sure I exposed you. Your mama didn't know how to do it, but I made sure I exposed you. I didn't leave you without representation. I didn't leave you without someone who understood how to be a man. I didn't leave you without someone who didn't understand how to be a woman. I didn't leave you without representation. Why? Because I'm not going to let you drown here. I'm not gonna let you drown here. I get excited when I see God blessing other people because it's a reminder to me that you're not gonna let me drown here. My God is not mocking me. My God is not taunting me. My God is trying to show me that if I did it for them, I can do it for you too. I need you to pay attention. I don't know whose word that is, but I hear God saying, I need you to pay attention to what I've been showing you. I need you to pay attention. <laughs> And sometimes we can't get over being jealous to see that God is trying to show us. Whew. You jealous over what God wants to give you, but I can't give it to you as long as you're jealous. I can't give it to you as long as you're mad that I didn't give it to you when you wanted it. Just because I didn't give it to you when you wanted it doesn't mean that it's not somewhere along the way. I feel like someone needs to understand that. You've been upset with God because you saw it over and over and over again and it looks like God missed your house. And I hear God saying, I needed you to clean up your house before I could bless your house. Because if I gave it to you right now, you'd have too much pride and ego. But if I gave it to you in the middle of the drought, you would understand that it wasn't you and it wasn't because everything went so well it was because the only thing you could rely on is me God sends Elijah because my people are drowning I believe God gave me this word because somebody's been drowning I believe God gave me this word because somebody lost their seat. I believe God gave me this word because someone hasn't been operating in authority. I feel like God gave me this word because the principality's got a stronghold over your life. And I feel like God says you don't need anyone else to pray for you. What you need is a reminder of where you're supposed to be seated. I can feel the devil trying to take my voice away. And that's all right, because I'm T.D. Jake's daughter. And we have preached in storefront buildings with nothing going on at all. And I'm going to preach this word because I understand that I'm here to serve as somebody's reminder that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Elijah has to be representation for the children of Israel. And because he has to be representation for the children of Israel, God sets him apart from them when they are in the middle of the drought. If I could give you the whole text, I would start in 1 Kings 17 and I would tell you how God tells Elijah that there's going to be a drought and then he calls him away from where the drought is. He calls him away from where the drought is because it is important that Elijah stays focused on who he's supposed to be in the middle of the drought. 
You see, sometimes we're so busy trying to suffer with people and trying to prove that we can hang out in the drought with people, that we miss the opportunity to be called away to God. Because when you get called away to God, you become the person who can deliver those who are in the drought. <laughs> Elijah gets called away, man, because he's gotta be somebody in this moment that he cannot be if he stays in the drought. Who are you, who are you? Who are you, who are you? God's been calling you away. Who are you, who are you? God's been calling you higher. Who are you, who are you? God's been saying, I wish you would spend a little bit more time with me. I wish you would give me a chance to be your God again. Who are you, who are you, who are you? You've been in the drought, but Elijah has to shift his focus from the drought to being called away with God. It didn't mean that the drought stopped. It just meant that his focus wasn't on the drought. My focus is on who I'm supposed to be in God. My focus is on the word. It didn't mean that the water was running everywhere. It just meant that there was a brook that only I could tap into. And I hear God saying everyone else around you could be in a drought, but there is a brook that only you can tap into. And it only happens when you get called away. It only happens when you get called away. It only happens when you set aside, set aside time for God to start ministering to who you are. I hear God saying who you are going to be is going to require a level of consecration. It's going to require a level of separation. It's going to require for you to come to a place where you are willing to trust God again. Oh, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. With the holiday season in full effect, many are celebrating joy in the midst of grief. For some, this time of year is filled with loving family, matching pajamas, and beautiful decor. For others, it's triggered by loss, loneliness, anxiety, and depression. For most of us, it's a combination of it all. Now is the time to be intentional about taking inventory of your mental health. Life doesn't come with a manual, sis, but BetterHelp Online Therapy can offer support and guidance. During the holidays, therapy is an effective way to set boundaries, manage stress, address trauma, and practice self-compassion. The greatest gift you can give yourself is an invitation to heal, and I truly believe that BetterHelp can deliver the quality of care you deserve. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash evolve. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash evolve. I'm not insensitive to the fact that you're in a drought. I'm just saying that the drought can't be your God. Worship in the drought. Worship in the grief. It's all I see, it's all I think about. God knows, God knows you're in the drought. God knows it hurts. And God said, I can get down in the drought with you, but I wish that you would dare to look at me in the middle of the drought. And Elijah, Elijah's got to look at God in the middle of the drought because he's got to become somebody for what happens in this moment in the text. 
I gotta become somebody when I'm called away who can handle the weight that God is trying to put on me. I gotta become somebody when I'm called away to handle raising this child. I hear God saying, you're not gonna be able to raise this baby by reading all of the books and articles. You're gonna have to raise this baby by getting down on your knees. This marriage is not gonna be saved by you pretending like everything is okay. You're gonna have to come to a place where you drag that brokenness into the secret place. God says, if you would just get caught up with me. If you would just let me call you away. I feel God saying revival is coming to somebody's house. Revival is coming to somebody's soul. I hear God saying we don't have tent revivals anymore, but you could have a house revival if you would just get called away. I'll come right down in your living room if you let me. I'll come right down in that office if you let me. Somebody better pull the car over because it's revival time in your house. It's revival time in your soul and God says it could happen anywhere it could happen anywhere you're willing to get caught away because when Elijah finally comes down to face off with the prophets he is somebody who has enough faith to believe that wet wood can still burn. You gotta be a crazy somebody to believe that you can throw water over wood and it will still burn. But I hear God saying, I know you've been drowning, but I told Sarah to come to Dallas so that she could let you know that wet wood still burns. You don't have to wait until anything is over. You can start burning right now. You don't have to wait until the season and passes. You could start burning right now. You better let hell know that wet wood still burns. You better let a generational curse know that wet wood still burns. It still burns. It still burns. It still burns. I know you're drowning, but you can still burn. I know you're lost, but you can still burn. I hear God saying fire could still come in your house. The prophets of Baal, they've got power, but they don't have fire. They got enough power to shift Israel, but Elisha's got something better than power. If you ever get to choose between power and fire, you better always choose fire because power might break something, but it can get put back together. But fire will destroy it to ashes. You want God to break the generational curse? God says, I want to set that thing on fire. You want God to break the addiction? I hear God saying, I want to set that bad boy on fire. And for some reason, you think because the season has been tough that you'll never burn again. I'll never be on fire like that. Ooh. I'll never be on fire like that again. Wet wood. Wet wood still burns. Wet wood still burns. What if you took a moment and received that? Oh God. God, I didn't think I could still burn. God, I didn't think I could be on fire again. God, I didn't think I could love again. God, I didn't think that I could be restored again. God, you took that thing from me and I didn't think I could ever burn again. God, you allowed that thing to happen to me and I didn't ever think that I could burn again. I used to burn when I was younger, but life knocks me out of my seat. The wind knocks me out of my seat and I don't think I could burn again. And I hear God saying, there is no sin, there is no shame, there is no experience that you have gone through that could keep my fire from reaching you. I hear God saying that I've got you on a rescue mission. That your name is next in line. And you better get yourself in position. Because when the fire is unleashed, you want to make sure that your house is represented. Elijah gets down with those prophets. And he builds that altar before the prophets. And he never once asked God to set that altar on fire. What he says instead is, God, show them what you're working with. God, show them what we've been talking about. God, show them who I am when I walk in you. I hear God saying that your breakthrough depends on you coming to a place where your relationship with God can be on display and cause a fire. 
Oh, God. Elijah said, I got enough fire for the nation. I got enough fire for the generations. One man got called away and came back with enough fire for the generations. I hear somebody saying that you could be on fire, but until your fire consumes the generations, then your fire hasn't been breathed on by God. But I hear God saying that this moment isn't just about you. This moment is about the generations connected to you. And I hear God saying they may never walk into the church, but they will experience your fire. And that's why hell wants you to believe that because you've been drowning you're never going to get back up again but God wanted me to tell you if you don't take nothing else out of this message wet wood still burns hell I want you to know I may have been drowning but I can still burn I may have been struggling but I can still burn how do I know that I can still burn because I saw it right here in the scripture and all it took was a little bit of faith from Elijah And as I was studying, God told me that he wants to send revival. I want to send fire back. I want to give you your fire back. Some of you have never been on fire. God says, you was on fire when I created you in your mother's womb. I just want you to reconnect to that version of you. You started on fire. And I know life tried to extinguish that fire. But I hear God saying, life could never extinguish my breath down on the inside of you. If you are still here, there's still a flame connected to your name. And I know the world has changed. And I know your life may look a lot different. But one thing that has not changed is the fire of God. The prophet of Jeremiah said it's like fire shut up in my bones and I feel like there are some dry bones somewhere that God wants to send some fire for because if I send some fire for you the world won't have to go back to the way it was because the new will emerge with no problem as I was praying The one word I kept hearing over and over again is revival, 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 revival. Nobody's hungry for revival because all we want to do is survive at this point, that we can't even be hungry for revival anymore. But God says, I just need one person who believes that we could burn again. I just need one person who could believe that the church is going to the next dimension. How could the church be going to the next dimension and we can't even gather? I just need one person who would believe that what wood still burns. I need one person to believe that that child's not going to be addicted forever. How could I believe that when addiction is all they know? See, you're not the one. See, I know you're not the one by how you talk back to God. And that's why you got to get called away. Because sometimes you'll start speaking someone else's disappointment over where God told you to have faith. I'm moving away from you because I got to watch my language in this season. I'm trying to become somebody who believes that wet wood still burns. I'm trying to become somebody who believes that girls like us can start businesses. I'm trying to become someone who believes that my family is not going to experience broken home after broken home. I'm trying to become somebody. I got to get called away so I can get set on fire again. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more, God. Does anybody want more? I can't hear you. I can't hear you if you want more. If you want more, I think you should release a sound. If you want more, I think you ought to start building an altar. I hear God saying, drag your wet wood to the feet of Jesus. I hear God saying, drag your wet wood. Drag that grief-stricken wood. Grab that depression and bring it to me. I know what to do with that. Man couldn't sex it away. Drugs couldn't pull it away. God says, I know what to do with what you feel. I'm listening. I'm listening for that faith. That what wood still burns? Is it in this room? 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 
Is it anywhere in this room? Does anyone have faith that God still does miracles? Does anybody have faith that all things could still work together for our good? Or do you get your faith off of CNN? Or do you get your faith off of Instagram? Does anybody have faith that that child can be delivered? Is it at your house? Starting my day with prayer and meditation has honestly changed my life. It allows me space to clearly hear from God and to set intentions for my day. I've even found myself using the Abide app in the middle of the day when it starts feeling like anything other than what I'd hoped for. Whether an unexpected issue arises at work, my kids start to stress me out, or I'm simply feeling a bit off, meditating has helped me recenter and mentally get my day back on track. If meditation is new for you, or if you're already a meditation vet, Abide can help you with your meditation goals. It's the number one app. For a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off a premium subscription when you text Sarah to 22433. Get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by texting Sarah to 22433. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and so much more. Take advantage of this amazing offer and try out the two-minute sessions that you can choose from with topics ranging from overcoming anxiety to finding forgiveness. Support this show and get 25% by texting Sarah to 22433. Fire. Fire, fire, fire. Type it in the comments. Fire, 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 fire. Fire, 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 fire. It's like rubbing sticks together. I'm trying to start a fire. I'm trying to start a fire again. I got to turn my worship music on because I'm trying to start a fire again. Let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. Let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. Everywhere you've experienced grief, everywhere you've experienced disappointment, everywhere you're questioning God, let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. Let it burn down in your soul. Let it burn until it takes on and it becomes contagious. Let it burn. 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 I hear the sound of abundant rain. I hear the sound of breakthrough coming to your house. The children of Israel come back and take their seat. The moment they acknowledge who their God really is. You are the Lord God. It's you, it's you. It's you, it's you. It's not my finances, it's you. It's not the relationship, it's you. I hear God saying that you could take your seat, but you're going to have to move some things out of the way. Fear is sitting where your faith is supposed to be. Doubt is sitting where your strength is supposed to be. That, that your pain is sitting where your purpose is supposed to be. And my one mission was to convince you to take your seat again in heavenly places. Not consumed by the things that are happening in this earth. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it because I'm seated in heavenly places. And I know you've been in a drought. And I know you've been worried and concerned just like the rest of us. I know it's been hard. And yet, in order for Elijah to become this person who can listen, he doesn't even ask God for fire. He had fire in his relationship with God. In order for him to become that person, he had to be willing to be called away. I'm done. But for 30 seconds, I want to give you an opportunity to accept the invitation 
to be called away. Holy, 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 holy. Glory, glory, glory. Call me away. And bring everything you got when you come. I can handle it, I can take your doubt. You don't have to come the way you used to be. Just come the way you are right now. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm coming back to who I used to be. I'm coming back to the fire. I'm coming back to the fire. I'm coming back to the faith. Somebody's been away from the faith. I hear God saying, come on back, baby. I got a seat with your name on it. I've got an assignment with your name on it. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm coming, I'm coming. And I'm bringing my child. They don't know, but they coming too. I'm bringing my business. They don't know, but they coming too. I'm bringing my marriage. They don't know, but they coming too. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. God, I'm coming back. God, I'm coming back. You pull me away. You pull me away. You call me away. I'm coming, Lord. And from this place of being called away, I dare you to ask God for fire. God, I'm hungry for it. Ah, glory. God, I'm desperate for it. God, I've been depressed too long. God, I've been confused too long. It's been blurry for too long. I've been drunk too long. I've been high too long. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. God. There's a fire starts like a flame until the wind blows. <laughs> then it becomes a wildfire. Don't miss the moment when the wind blows. Don't miss the moment when the wind starts blowing again. And I hear God saying the wind is going to blow again. And if you aren't careful, you'll miss it. Behold, I do a new thing. Shall you not? Shall you not know it? A new thing is happening. And you don't have to have it all together to be a part of it. You just got to believe. Wet wood still burns. I want to pray with you. I want to pray over that watered down faith. Over that watered down hope. That watered down vision you heard no too many times and now you don't even see the vision anymore. I want to pray over what life watered down. Because God says I can make it burn again. You're watching this message. And you've been dying to feel fire. I hear God saying it's on the way. Can you make yourself available? Father, here we are. Wet wood. Drowning. Don't know how you're going to get me out of this one. Don't know how you could ever make this work together for my good, but here I am submerged and yet you have a history of making wet wood burn God could it be for me this word 
God, could it be for my soul? Could it be for my life? I'm presenting myself. I'm presenting my wet wood because I want to be in the flow if the wind is blowing again. I want this little flame of hope I just got to be somewhere in the wind. Father, I'm coming. I hear you calling. And here I come. Father, it is my prayer that everywhere there's wet wood, everywhere there's watered down faith, watered down hope, watered down vision, watered down strength, watered down peace, that you would grab a hold of what's been watered down in their life, Father. That you would allow this word to serve as a sign, God. That you know what to do with wet wood. I want to prophesy in this place that everywhere there is wet wood and a willing heart, that fresh fire is falling down from heaven. Father, release your fire over wet wood. Release your fire over their brokenness. Release your fire over their pain. Release it, release it, release it. I'm not asking you to do something that you cannot do. I'm asking you to do something that you promised to do. God, you promised you wouldn't let me drown. You promised you wouldn't leave me nor forsake me. I got water in my lungs, but I still believe. I'm submerged, but I still believe. Have your way in my life, great God that you are. I make a demand on who you are. I make a demand on who you've called me to be. Just be who you are. Just do what you do. I'm not asking you to be anything you've never been before. Just show up in my circumstance and be who you are. Show up in their house and be who you are. You are a healer. You are a provider. You are a way maker. I'm not asking you for the impossible. I'm asking you for who you are. It's what you do. This is who you are. You've been doing it for generations. You've been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. Yes, Lord. And you don't plan on stopping now. I'm back. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. I'm back, Father. I prayed that you would allow me to lay your people at your feet again. God, what happens now is most certainly between you and them. But I know for someone this was a transformational moment. God, may they never forget the moment when they got hungry for fire again. Let's live there. God, move us there. Where we wake up every morning hungry for your fire. Where we go to work hungry to release your fire. Where we believe that your fire is more powerful than any depression. That your fire is more powerful than any pandemic. I know it's crazy in old school, but I still believe in the Holy Ghost fire. I still believe in a wonder working God. I still believe that breakthrough can happen. I believe in doctors and medication, but I also believe in fire. That means I'm going to take my meds and pray. That means I'm going to go to the doctor and pray. Because at the end of the day, I believe the report of the Lord. And as we live here, Father, may we live here with such strength and clarity that we set everything connected to us on fire too. Father, I want to speak to everything that's had power in their life. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I send you back to hell where you came from. And I speak Holy Ghost fire. We're not asking God to break it. We're asking God to burn it down. Addiction, you gotta go. It's burning, it's burning, it's burning. Depression, you cannot stay. It's burning, it's burning, it's burning. I speak to every principality and demonic power. And I'm seated in 
heavenly places. I'm above all of that. And I'm dragging everyone under the sound of my voice higher, 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 higher than that, higher than that, higher. Call us higher. We're coming. Wet wood and all. We repent. We repent, God, because we made our circumstance our God. We made our condition our God, and we started worshiping it more than we worshiped you. So, Father, we repent. We change our mind. And we ask that you would take this mind and make it, Father, like Christ. That we would live in the consciousness of your glory, the consciousness of who we are when we partner with you. We want you more than anything. Father, seal this word. Allow it to take root and produce generational fruit and let it burn some things down. I smell smoke. I smell smoke. I said, I smell smoke. I said, something is smoking in your life. I said, something is smoking in your life. I hear God saying, you offered me a sacrifice and I'm gonna make sure that that sacrifice is on fire. Yes, Lord. Family, we love you. Yes, Lord. We love you and God loves you. God loves you too much to let you stay underwater. My prayer is that this word would serve as a life raft, that it would pull you to where you're supposed to be, and that you would not think that you need to wait until you get it all together, to wait until you're sober or free, or whatever it is you think you need to be, but that you would allow God to meet you right where you are because that's where the fuel is. The fuel is where you are, and that's what God wants to set on fire. Family, I love you so much. It's always such an honor and a privilege to serve the vision of this house. I'm so grateful that this is just the beginning of revival. Now, let us go into all of the world, because we got a world to set on fire. And I'm not crazy enough to believe that this is everyone's word. But I do know that it only took one prophet to save a nation. And if you would hold down your city, and you would hold down your country, I promise you I got mine on lock. And together I think we could chase a few demons out of our communities, out of our households, and out of our churches. Family, go and be about the work of the Lord. You're on fire. Now let it burn, burn, burn until all have seen and all have heard who your Lord is. We love you and we will see you next week.